On today's Locked On Jayhawks, Kansas is bowl eligible. I know, they did it. They won six games. They beat Oklahoma State. We're going to recap it on today's You show. are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Jayhawks, your first listen every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can also hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Mondays through Fridays from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to go over Kansas beating Oklahoma State as they are now bowl eligible. We're going to get to our goats of the week. And then we're going to do a little bit of uh, a basketball segment to finish up. KU playing Omaha tonight. They played their exhibition game against Pitt State at the end of last week. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. It's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. KU takes down Oklahoma State 37 to 16. It was honestly a pretty dominant performance by the KU football team in the win. Uh, Oklahoma State makes it 10 to 7 after KU starts really well. And then it was kind of like, okay, maybe this could be a close game back and forth. And then KU exploded from there. The Jason Bean long rushing touchdown seems like that was kind of the play that, uh, I don't know, for all intents and purposes, like it doesn't end the game when it's that early on and it's only 17 to seven. But in terms of what it meant for the momentum, it felt like that was the play that carried away everything. And how beautiful was it that KU had a good start to a game, right? You didn't have a game where they dropped behind 14, nothing or the Baylor game where they were behind 28 to three. They were the team that got up 10 to nothing. And, you know, from there they won the score as well. But like, you know, that just it completely changes uh, your outcome when you do that. So KU dominates. They beat Oklahoma State. Uh, they run all over them, over 300 yards rushing. Jason Bean was so incredibly efficient in the game. The defense was fantastic. And yes, Spencer Sanders didn't go, and that completely changes what Oklahoma State is. But guess what? KU's been having to play with a backup quarterback, too. Uh, so KU's now bowl eligible. That's the big story off of this. They are 6-3. and three. I guess you can't say for sure they're going to a bowl game because there's still weird possibilities out there that like, what if nine or 10 of the big 12 teams get bowl eligible and then there's not enough bowl tie-ins for the big 12 teams. And then you're kind of banking on, are there going to be not enough bowl eligible teams from other conferences, which usually there are. So you probably wouldn't have to worry about it, but just hypothetically, Kansas is bowl eligible. Let's just put it that way. This means a lot. It's been forever. 2008 was the last time you went to a bowl game playing in the inside bowl when you rocked Minnesota and Desmond Briscoe gets a touchdown on the first play. And from there, you're just off to the races. But who would have thought it would have taken Lance Leipold this short of a time period? I mean, in year two, we already saw the the progress at the end of year one, which I almost viewed that first year as like a year zero because he took over so late that I was almost looking at this like a year one and a half because of that. And you are making a bowl game. A lot of people were circling next year to say, you know, maybe you win four or five games. And that was me included in the offseason. I was saying, I think they win three or four games. Maybe you get up to five, right? And for all the people out there who, who did predict them to win six or more, sure, maybe you're, you were being a little bit optimistic and, and maybe that's you every year, but more power to you, more props to you because you did it this year. And Kansas 
is bowl eligible. Like say that as many times as you want, because it sounds fantastic. We've waited 14 years to say Kansas is bowl eligible. And who would have thought it would have taken this quick in the Lance Leipold era? Just an unbelievable turnaround. I said last year in, in Lance Leipold's first year that if KU even won four games last year, I'm not joking. He should have won Big 12 Coach of the Year. Now, I know that sounds like crazy if you win four games. This year, by him even making a bowl game, to me, that should secure him winning Big 12 Coach of the Year. I I, I guess the, the one caveat there, if Sonny Dykes at TCU goes 12-0 and or 13-0 and and it's 6-6 six and six Kansas, I'm fine with that. TCU was five and seven last year and to be undefeated. But if TCU finishes like 11 and two, that's like the only way. Like, you know, Lance Leipold should win this award. It's been an unbelievable turnaround for what he's done. And, you know, maybe it could be something where one guy wins a Big 12 coach of the year and one guy wins a national coach of the year because you do have those two good candidates in the conference. Um, but the bowl game isn't just important for, hey, it's a cool thing for the fans and it's a representation and an award for having a solid enough season to make it it's extra practices it's good for recruiting you know whether it's the game itself which is basically an infomercial about your school and the other school playing in it whether it's the ability to go to recruits and say hey look we played in this bowl game and to say look things are different than they have been in the past huge deal for KU to win that game and now the last three games of the season you don't feel that pressure you don't feel that the walls are caving in on you like, hey, we started 5-0. and Can we get to bowl eligibility? No. Everything else from here is the cherry on top. Now, if you want to say, hey, maybe we should, you know, with, with six wins, bowl contention out of the way, like if they win these last three games, they could very well play for a Big 12 title. And sure, let's, you know, have that conversation. I'm ready to have it if they beat Texas Tech on Saturday. But for now, the big thing is they're bowl eligible. And I mean, back to the domination part two, it makes you feel like this isn't just a six and six team. Now that you get rid of that pressure and these last three games are basically the cherry on top, like it would have been so hard going into the Kansas State game. If that was the last game of the season and you were five and six with all the pressure built up and you have the in-state matchup there, now you can go into that game. And, and even if you are six and five going into that game, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, they might be playing to make a Big 12 championship. We're already bowl eligible. We're just trying to try to spoil their season and get a cool win against a team we haven't beaten in a while, right? So uh, there's a lot less pressure with it. And, yes, again, Oklahoma State had a backup quarterback and um, didn't really look great, but so did KU. And that's what we're seeing over these courses, some of these games. You know, the difference between KU's backup quarterback and others, like Jason Bean's decision to stick around and fight out, that was as impactful and important as anything that KU could have had happened over this offseason for him to stick around because the difference of your backup quarterback to a lot of these other schools has mattered substantially. It's only led to one true win, but it's also let you be competitive in some of these other games. And guess what? The one true win was the one that got you the bowl game. So uh, unbelievable by Jason Bean. Again, like Jalen Daniels to me is still ahead of, of where Jason Bean is, but like that was an unbelievable game by him. Now. That also the quarterbacks, whoever it was, did not impact KU destroying them in the trenches. Zero sacks allowed by Kansas. They got two on defense, nearly had a few more. Uh, they were plus two in tackles for loss. Kansas averaged 7.6 yards per carry. Oklahoma State had 3.2. KU played a great game on both ends. They 
continued to play better versus every opponent. Like that stat holds true than they played a season ago. Literally every opponent they have played who was on their schedule last year and this year has been a closer game or a game that has basically by point differential been better for KU's favor this year than last year. The one exception is TCU. They lost by three last year. They lost by seven this year, but TCU is way better this year. So KU has basically played every opponent better this season and nothing is more stark than maybe the Iowa State game and this. Actually, this would be more because the Iowa State game was a close win. You got destroyed by Oklahoma State last year. I mean, that was a game that was over at the end of the first quarter. It was over at halftime. You barely mustered up any offense. And you just beat them down. Complete turnaround. And they showed they can be competitive and you know, or win in every game they've played. And wildly enough, you look at the schedule now, and there's going to be between 8 and 11 bowl teams that are on KU's schedule this year. But most importantly, Kansas, a team that won two games last year and hadn't won more than three football games in a season since 2009, is bowl eligible. All right, in just a second, I want to get on to the GOATs of the week. I don't even have any bad GOATs of the week. You know, uh, everything is good. You're bowl eligible, you storm the field, you tear down the goalpost, throw it into Potter Lake. So let's focus on the positives, and then we'll get into some uh, basketball stuff here. This episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free, and it's super easy to find. Most people have LinkedIn, whether you have like the app like myself, so you can keep up to date with what some of your friends or connections are doing in the workplace or just seeing maybe what jobs are out there. It's a great spot to network and have people see your job, and it's super easy to scroll through and click a couple buttons and people can apply. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And you want to finish the year strong. KU, finishing the year strong. They just got to win over Oklahoma State. The buzz is in the air. Have the buzz in the air about your business. Have people talking about it that, you know, hey, they were staffed so well. Or if it's a restaurant, like, hey, they had great wait staff. Or, you know, if if you're somewhere that maybe needs a, a clerk for shopping with the holiday season finish the year strong so you can head into 2023 feeling good where your business is going with a positive arrow up so why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay. Our goats of the week, as I mentioned, no bad goats this week. It's all good. Okay. He's going to a bowl game. Uh, I think we have to start with Devin Neal. I'm, I'm going to do a Devin Neal appreciation little segment later in the week here, but 32 carries, which first of all, wow, there, because that is way more than we've seen him at any point this season. You know, previous high, I believe was 15 on the year. So clearly the bye week got him rested and, you know, part of that too. You had Daniel Highshaw splitting carries. But 224 yards, a touchdown, six catches for 110 yards receiving. I'm sure you saw the stat out there that he was the first KU player to have over 100 rushing and receiving in the same game, which that's wild to think about that 
you know, you had like Puka Williams, who you would have thought maybe would have had a chance there. Maybe a guy like Tony Pearson, who was kind of like a, a running back receiver hybrid, though he, you know, maybe didn't get enough touches to to get there. Um, you've had so many other great running backs. Now, obviously, the passing game wasn't as prevalent in the time of like Gale Sayers or John Hadel or or not John Hadel, John Riggins. Um, and who knows, John Hadel probably wouldn't have surprised you because he you know played quarterback, halfback, punter, all those things. So uh, wild for Devin Neal that he came up with that. Even like Jake Sharp, you would have thought maybe he had a chance at that. So uh, crazy, unbelievable game for him. And KU just ran all over Oklahoma State. Like you can say what you want about Oklahoma State with the backup quarterback, which again, KU had a backup quarterback too. But the fact that Kansas just ran all over them and stopped their running game, like there was the biggest difference in the game. Uh, Jason Bean deserves good goat of the week. 99.6 QBR for Jason Bean out of 100. Uh, there were still, you know, maybe a few missed short passes I can think of early in the game. Another like flat route, to, I think it was Devin Neal or like an inaccurate play on the, the fourth and one coming out of the second half on the throw to Jared Casey, where Jared Casey made an unbelievable grab. It's kind of wobbling up high in the air and he kind of tips it to himself with one hand to, to get the catch. Like some of those were a bit inaccurate, but overall so efficient. And you're going to miss passes over the course of the game. Even the best ones do. Patrick Mahomes did last night. Um, he didn't make a key mistake. He went 18 of 23, 203 yards, two touchdowns. Also had four carries for 93 yards. Talk about efficiency there. And a score on that 73 yarder that I mentioned kind of was the, I would say the biggest play of the game uh, for KU and, and was certainly a fun highlight there. So uh, Jason Bean definitely deserves this award. And again, we go back to him in that game against Oklahoma State and you, you saw the, uh, I'm sure, picture afterwards where he was just kind of in disbelief, like bent over, holding his his uh, head in his hands and just kind of understanding what he had just done and helping lead KU to a bowl game. And, and Jason Bean's going to be immortalized because of this, right? In, in KU lore and KU history, like he's going to be a name people remember, you know, whether Jalen Daniels comes back or Jason Bean finishes out the season, like Jason Bean has etched his mark in Kansas football history. And that's pretty cool. Uh, the team blocking for Kansas Bean was blitzed on 10 of his 23 passes. He was kept clean on 20 of the 23 passes. So even despite them blitzing 10 times and then having a good defensive line to begin with, he was only not kept clean three times. Really good stuff. And when he was kept clean, he went 16 of 20 for 188 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, just great pass blocking and it led to a lot of success. Dominic Pooney, Mike Nowitzki, both had over 80 grades on their pass blocking on pro football focus. Armage Reed Adams had a 79.8. So those guys really stood out there. But I mentioned team blocking here. When you look at the run blocking, it was everyone, man. There were a lot of running plays where you saw it, whether it was big plays downfield, even like an eight to 10 yarder where you saw a tight end or a receiver just blocking the heck out of the defensive back or something down the field and sustaining the blocks. And that was reflected in some of the pro football focus grades. Kevin Terry, Tory Lachlan, both graded out above 78s as run blockers. Trevor Cardell was above 70. Jared Casey graded well as a run blocker. And then like. You just look at the offense, like how about the versatility of Michael Ford? He played three snaps at left tackle. He played 27 snaps at right guard. He played 21 snaps at right tackle. It was a all-around team effort blocking the football. And KU, basically, I, I mean, it was the most team win you could imagine. The defense played well. You ran the ball well. Your quarterback played well. You blocked well. Like, everything just worked for KU in that game. And that's how you come up with a 21-point uh, win. How about Lorenzo McCaskill on the defensive side? Maybe a breakout game for him, maybe the bye week, and he's kind of 
finally caught up on all the playbook stuff. He played the same amount of snaps as Taiwan Berryhill, 37. And Lorenzo McCaskill was the highest graded defensive player for KU. I mean, talk about a boost you could be having at the end. I, I know I brought up, I think last week or two weeks ago, that what happens hypothetically if KU has an end of season, you know, extra push or jolt or figuring out of certain things similar to they did last year and where you would point to it would probably mostly be on the defensive side because the offensive side we just know like has a lot of talent and has been good the defensive side had a lot of new players and so it would make sense that maybe similar to last year where the last three games were completely different than the first nine games that maybe the last four games for this defense off the bye would be a lot better than the first eight games, right? It's not just the bye week and trying to get healthy at the right time of year, but you had a lot of talent there, a lot of players who came in, but they're getting to know the playbook. And maybe we saw a little bit of that on Saturday, and that's a perfect example. Lorenzo McCaskill, who was kind of playing as a rotational linebacker and still kind of was in that game, but maybe had his breakout game, and he was fantastic. How about Kobe Bryant coming back? He had an interception. He forced another on the one that Rich Miller caught. He had the best coverage grade on KU. And he also had KU's highest graded tackling grade. So any worries about his health, he was able to just stick his nose in there and make big play after big play. He was awesome. Uh, the bye week deserves a good go to the week because uh, whether it was just getting prepped for the game, maybe prepping for tempo, which wasn't really a problem for KU in that game, especially after the OU game earlier in the season, getting Kobe Bryant back, like I'm sure that's partially due to the bye week and mentioned how good he was. Uh, maybe getting guys healthy that weren't fully healthy. I know I toiled with the idea that I don't know. I, I don't know if this was the case. It could have just been uh, that, you know, KU was playing more receivers, like you had Trevor Wilson back in past weeks. And if you're playing lineups with more receivers on the field, you're going to have less tight ends. It could just be that um, KU was doing certain things schematically. But like Jared Casey had his two lowest snap count games the previous two weeks. He was back up in the 40s in this game. So I don't know if, if that's like a situation where, and, and there are other players like this where, you know, maybe you're a little more limited than you would like because you're dealing with injury. And I don't know that that's the case for, for him, but certainly there were other players that I'm not going to be able to mention here that we just don't know what they were dealing with. And they probably felt healthier on Saturday. Luke Grimm came back seven catches for 65 yards by week. Very helpful. Uh, good goat for the KU fans, bringing the goalpost down, able to get it down. And I didn't see any injuries. Hopefully there weren't. And uh, bringing it into Potter Lake, always a good scene. Good pictures, good work by the KU social media team steering into it and getting all the, the cool pictures from the sideline too. And then uh, I'll give a good go to the week to my parents. I know this one's a little bit weird. My parents have a weird thing with KU football games. They The last four KU football games they have been to, including they were at the game on Saturday, KU has won. Again, this is not a football program that has had a lot of historic success over these last handful of seasons. They went to the game on Saturday. The previous game they went to was all the way back in 2019 when KU beat Texas Tech. Then the year before they went to the TCU game where they beat TCU on the butt fumble. And their game before that was the Texas game in 2016 that they won in overtime. So I don't know what it is. Maybe we go fund me for my parents and, and get them season tickets and flights up here for every week or something. I don't know. Just weird stuff. Again, not doing any bad goats of the week. Kansas is going bowling. And I'm going to say it one more time. I've said it a lot in this episode, but it deserves to be said again. Kansas is going bowling. In just a second, I'm going to get to some basketball stuff, uh, a few short takeaways from the scrimmage from Pitt State. Look ahead to Omaha tonight and uh, some of the lines for it with Bet Online. This episode of Locked On Jayhawks is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for betting football and the start of 
the new college basketball season, which uh, started up today, as well as college football season or the NFL still going on. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more you can get kansas at minus 32 and a half against omaha you can get kansas at plus three and a half against texas tech bet online where the game starts ku takes down pittsburgh state in their exhibition game bad start to the game couldn't score early they get down 12 to nothing then they go ahead at half and then they blow them out in the second half it's hard to have too many overhauling takeaways from an exhibition game. I still do have questions about this team shooting, if they're going to have times where they kind of lull to score, though that's honestly not that different than at times last year for Kansas. Like, remember the Oklahoma State game last year in basketball where KU didn't score for the final nine and a half minutes of the first half? So uh, sometimes that just happens in college, especially in a good conference like the Big 12. Um, but Grady Dick, pretty good performance. I have seen other freshmen struggle in the exhibition and then have good seasons. That's not unusual. So I don't hold it against them when they do. It's their first game of college basketball. But if I'm not going to hold it against them for struggling, because I almost expect it to a certain degree, then I should put you a little bit more on a pedestal if you have a lot of success, which he did. That shot looks legit. He looks really good. Scott Chasen texted me this, uh, that, he reminds him a lot of Ben McElmore, and I love that comp. You're looking at a guy who, a good straight-line driver, good athlete, can dunk the ball really well, really good pure release, can shoot it really, really well, maybe doesn't have as much of a game from creating off the bounce and creating his own shots and whatnot, and maybe has some questions about what is he going to do on the defensive side of the ball, but from the shooting aspect, and, and like I wouldn't be surprised if that's the type of impact he has, like 15 points per game or something. So we'll see more tonight against Omaha. As far as the Omaha game tonight, Omaha's not very good. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the Summit League. KU will get a better Summit League opponent on Thursday with North Dakota State, but the line's 32 and a half. Honestly, I'm going to take KU minus the 32 and a half. I don't think Omaha's very good. They were uh, one of the bottom couple teams in the Summit League and one of the bottom handfuls of teams in the country, both on offense and defense. They're ranked in the 330s on Ken Palm this year. They were even further back than that a season ago. And, you know, obviously it's hard to keep track of, of teams nowadays, especially in some of the smaller leagues with the transfer portal and, and really try to feel like, you know, all the personnel, but they have a new coach. Uh, I don't think KU should really have a problem with Omaha tonight. And I guess you could say, well, they had a bit of a problem early with Pitt State and Pitt State isn't as good as Omaha. That's true. But if Kansas played the way they did for the last 36 minutes for the full 40, they're covering the 32 and a half. I don't even know. They might have covered the 32 and a half against Pitt State anyway. So I'm taking KU minus the 32 and a half. And as far as what I'm looking for tonight, I guess we'll learn maybe a little bit more about the center position for KU. Obviously, no Bill Self, but I'm sure Norm Roberts has uh, instruction or kind of a, 
a group ideal of, of the coaches talking together what they want to do rotationally and whatnot, that the center position will be interesting, looking to see if Grady Dick can follow it up for another performance. And I just expect big things once again from Kevin McCuller defensively creating ha- uh, havoc, Jalen Wilson just continuing to drive and be a menace inside, and Dewan Harris just kind of controlling the game on both ends of the floor. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to recap whatever happens for the KU Omaha game. And uh, we got plenty more KU football talk coming this week. We got plenty more KU basketball talk coming this week. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along on the action, you can reach out at D Johnson radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. So you're getting all the latest with locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on rock chalk sports talk later today. Bye.